when I occasionally get to speak, have the privilege of speaking here at First Baptist Church, I usually try to speak on something that uh, would be encouraging and maybe helpful to someone. But I want to warn you tonight, there's going to be a few of you tonight that will not like some of what I say tonight. Now, don't get worried. I'm not going to preach against your favorite sin tonight. Nothing, nothing like that. But what's going to happen tonight is I'm going to, for a few of you, I'm going to ruin one of your favorite verses in the Bible. If I were to read the first half of this verse, I wonder how many of you could quote the second half of the verse. It's one of our favorite verses to, to many of us. I'm going to read the first half. Now, if you can quote the second half, don't say it out loud. I want the person next to you to be able to think for a moment without uh, you giving it away. But if I were to read, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and uh, don't say it out loud, and I'm not going to call on you and embarrass you, but how many of you feel like you could come close? You could probably finish that verse. You might not get it word for word, but you, but you know the gist of the rest of the verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and don't say it out loud. How many could come close to finishing? Okay, that's what I thought. About 85, 90% of the... It's one of our favorite verses in the Bible. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Would you open your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Most of you know exactly where it is, chapter 6. Verse 33 is the verse that I read. What I'm going to teach tonight is not one of those type lessons that's going to revolutionize your life. You're not going to leave here tonight and think, boy, my life was changed. But if you'll let the Holy Spirit take the truth that we're going to examine tonight and apply it to your heart, and if you'll begin to apply it to your life, your whole life could be renewed by this one truth. You know, Paul said that we were to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And every one of us need to be transformed because every one of us have been conformed to this world. And Paul said, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Five, ten years from now, you could be happier than you've ever been in your entire life because of the truth that I'm going to show you tonight. Not because of me, not because of anything I say, but because of the truth that we're going to look at in the Word of God tonight. If you will let it, this truth could gradually, one thought at a time, renew your mind, transform your spirit, transform your outlook, uh, give you more joy than you've ever had. But that's five or ten years from now. Tonight, you might not like part of what I say. So we're going to begin, if you would please, look in chapter 6, and we're going to start with verse 32. We read 33 a moment ago, but we're going to begin with verse 32. Verse 32 says, 
For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Notice there are actually some things that we need. Have, have you heard, we've all heard sermons against having too many things or against wanting too many things. I mean, I've preached them myself. But this verse tells us that even God knows there are some things that we need. It says there in verse 32, uh, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Verse 32 says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Then we read verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But here's the question. What are all these things? Okay, would you go back to verse 31 right quick? Verse 31 says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall ye eat? Or what shall ye drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Notice there that it says that God knows we need all these things, plural, not just one thing. How many of us have heard some young couple say, well, all we need is love. <laughs> yeah, wait till there's no paycheck about three weeks in a row <laughs> and see what else you need. God said we need all these things. But the question is, what are all these things? Well, it tells us something to eat, something to drink, and something with which to be clothed. Is there anybody here tonight that today you've had nothing to eat, not because you were fasting and praying, not because of uh, some medical reason, but you just you didn't have anything. You had no access to anything to eat at all, all day today. And when you go home tonight, you have nothing to eat, and right this moment, you have no idea what you're going to eat tomorrow, if you're going to get to eat. You have no access to anything. You've had nothing to eat today, and you have no idea when you'll ever have anything else to eat. Anybody here in the room like that tonight, would you raise your hand? Hmm. I, didn't, I didn't see anybody. Anybody here tonight that's had nothing to drink today, and... When you get home tonight, you have no idea where you're going to get anything to drink. You have no idea where you're going to find something tomorrow. Anybody like that? You've had nothing to drink. You have no idea when and where you're going to be able to. And, praise the Lord, there's nobody here tonight that has nothing to wear. Everybody in, a, everybody in America has access. Now, I know there's moments when somebody for a little period of time kind of gets into a bind or something, but basically, here in America, everybody has those three things that God promised. He said, if you'll put me first, I'll make sure you have something to eat, you have something to drink, 
and you had something to wear. Here in America, God has already fulfilled his half of the promise. And not one person in this room tonight, including me, none of us have fulfilled our half of the bargain yet. God said, I'll make you a deal. You put me first, I'll make sure you have something to eat, something to drink, and something to wear. None of us have put him first yet in, any, uh, in every aspect of our life, not even one day. There's no, I have never lived one single day where every single thing I did that day I put God first. God said, if you'll put me first, I'll give you something to eat, something to drink, something to wear. Here in America, God fulfilled his half of the promise before we fulfilled our half. He said, if you do this, I'll do this. We didn't do this, but he already did his part. And here in America, he not only gave us something to eat, something to drink, and something to wear. In almost every case, he gave us choices. You had choices today. If you wanted tacos, you could have that. If you wanted to go to Burger King, you could do that. If you wanted to go to Arby's, you could do that. If you wanted to go home and see what your wife fixed, you could do that. It, 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 almost every one of us have choices. We had choices of what to drink. You can go to Starbucks. You can go to McDonald's. You can go to 7-Eleven. You can, you can go to the water fountain. You can make some coffee. We have choices. Almost every single one of us, when we got dressed tonight to come to church. We went to a closet. We had some choices. Some of you seem to make a pretty poor, pretty poor choice tonight. <laughs> but, but, uh, but we had choices. How could you ask for a God any better than the God we have available to us here in America? He said, if, I, if, you'll, make, if you'll put me first, I'll give you something to eat, something to drink, and something to wear. None of us have put him first yet, but he already gave us what he promised he would do if we did that. And then he not only gave us the three things he promised, but he gave us choices in the matter. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to have other things besides something to eat, something to drink, and something to wear, but every one of us would be better off if we would remember that everything we have over and above something to eat, over and above something to drink, over and above something to wear is not just God fulfilling his promise, but he gave us bonuses. He said, you do this, I'll do this, this, and this. None of us have done that, but he already did this, this, and this with choices and over and above this, this, and this. He gave us bonuses. Your house is a bonus. It's not on the list. Your car is a bonus. It's not on the list. Your books are bonuses. They're not on the list. Your computer is a bonus. It's not on the list. Your telephone's a bonus. It's not on the list. Uh, every single thing that you have and that I have over and above something to eat, something to drink, and something to wear is not just God fulfilling his promise before we did what we were supposed to do. It's a bonus more than he had promised us. Now, you say, now, Brother Young, is it wrong for me to want something more than just something to eat and something to drink and something to wear? 
Most of us, if we'd be honest about it, we'd all have to admit, yeah, there are some things I want. There's some things I want more than just something to eat. There's some things I want more than something to drink. There's some things I want more than just one suit of clothes to wear. I think most of us would have, okay, let's say there were 10 things that would make you happy. If you could make a list of 10 things and say, you know, I think if I had these 10 things, I think I'd be happy. If you were going to make a list like that, or if I were going to make a list like that, some of us might say, well, uh, I'd like to have a spouse that understands me the way I want to be understood. Or some of us might say, I want to have a job or a better job. Or some of us may say, I want to have a house or a bigger house or a better house. Some might say, I'd like to have a car or, or a different car. Some people may say, I'd like to have a family that's more pleasant than the one I have now. Some may say, I'd like to have better health than I have now. Uh, some might say, I'd like to have more freedom. Some may be more security. Some may be more money. Some may say, I have a goal that, uh, that I'd like to reach. And somebody may say tonight, you know, Brother Young, your list not not too far off. That, that's a pretty good list. You're, you're pretty close. That's about what I'd like. I think if I had those 10 things or something similar to it, you're right, I could be happy. Well, can I remind you that 9 out of 10 is not bad. 8 out of 10 is not awful. 7 out of 10 is not terrible. You say, well, if I ever get those 10 things, then I'm going to be happy. Well, you can spend your whole life waiting on the 10th one and be miserable your whole life, or you can spend your whole life enjoying the nine instead of being miserable over the one you don't have. Eight out of 10 is not real bad. Seven out of 10 is not real bad. It's up to you. You say, well, if I just had a, just had a better house, you know, that's sort of the, American dream, you know, this one big house I've always wanted, this one nice house. If I just had that, boy, that would, do you realize that probably 85% of the people in the world, if they spent one night in the house you live in right now, it'd be the greatest day of their life. I remember one time my wife and I went to China to visit our team there, and I was going to be speaking in... Uh, some house churches. At the time, they were not allowed to assemble and, and, and have a, a church like this there in China. And so we went to different houses to preach in those houses. And I think there was a limit of like maybe 25 people per assembly or something of that nature. And, and we, they took me to this one place where I was going to preach. We drove way out into the country. And there was a little house there. There was a front door where you walked in the front door. And when you walked in the front door, there was like a little lobby or vestibule there in the house. It was the, the little lobby or vestibule was just about the size of this pulpit right here. You walked in the front door. And when you stepped in there, you had this little vestibule area. And to this side on the left here of the little vestibule, there was a door. And that door led into one room. And in that one room lived one of the, lived a family. In that one room, it was about, oh, about the size of maybe from this little tree here 
back to not quite as deep as the orchestra area there, not, not maybe two-thirds of that, and then about as wide as from maybe the end of this uh, uh, carpet here over to maybe that first speaker over there. That's about how big that room was. In that room lived this family. The government had assigned them that room to live in, and it was mom and dad and some children and mom's mom and dad and dad's mom and dad all lived in that little that one room the front part of the room from about this little tree here to about the front of the chairs there was ground level and in that little area there was a cabinet sitting over here on the floor and every single thing that family owned was in that cabinet except the clothes they had on and every one of them had on their winter clothes <laughs> parkas, hoods, gloves, boots it was that cold inside the house I remember as we were walking from the car up a little path to get to the to the house where I was going to preach two of the missionaries were walking in front of me and I overheard one of them say man I'm glad it warmed up before brother Ray got here it was four below zero it had been 24 below zero the day before. He said, I'm glad it warmed up before Brother Ray got here. <laughs> Inside the house, it wasn't much warmer than it was outside. Everything they owned except the clothes they had on and their little grass mats that each one of them had rolled up and hanging on the wall, that's, that was in that cabinet there. The rest of the room... Went the, it was all concrete, floor, walls, ceilings, everything, all concrete. The concrete came up about this high and went back to the back wall, and that's where they slept. They got those grass mats down off the uh, wall, and they rolled them out on that concrete slab, and that's where they slept at night, the whole family, mom and dad, the children, mom's mom and dad, dad's mom and dad. When you went back to the vestibule and turn right there was another door over here and another room that was identical to that room and another family mom and dad children mom's mom and dad dad's mom and dad uh, they, they all lived over here in this room in between the two rooms about the size of this rug I'm standing on there was another room the third room of the house the building that was the common kitchen on this side of the room there was a little concrete pad with an open space under it and if they wanted to cook something they went out in the field and picked up sticks and brought them back and built a little fire under there and boiled their pot of rice with a couple of dried fish in it that's what they ate every single day same thing they cooked it on that little concrete pad and some of that heat would go under the concrete pad and underneath that raised area where they slept and that's the only heat they had in their house was what little bit of heat came from that and on the other side of the room there was another one for this family and in between the two on the back wall there was a sink no running water if they wanted water they walked about 300 yards behind the house down in the field to the river with an axe and a bucket and they would chop a hole in the ice and dip the bucket down in the river and get some water and bring it back up and heat it up a little bit and wash their dishes in that one sink. And you and I want to complain because our, bed, our house only has three bedrooms. 
We want to complain because uh, we only have two and a half baths instead of three. <laughs> or we only have one <laughs> indoor toilet, which they didn't have. Another time my wife and I were in the Philippines. We were visiting our team there. My son-in-law Jason and my daughter Lacey were there at the time as missionaries. And I remember on Sunday, there was a lady at the church. I just happened to remember her name was Mary. I happened to remember, and I'll tell you why in a moment. She had on a red dress, and she was there in the service and was just looked like she was just a normal member of the church. She just fit in with everybody else. She was happy and, and was there and was just a member of the church. And I didn't think anything of it, didn't even notice her until the following Saturday, Brother Jason and I went uh, bus calling on your bus route, you remember, you had that little motorcycle, <laughs> and uh, here I am on the back of my son-in-law's motorcycle, and we're driving out through this uh, little paved road, and went outside the edge of town, and then went down a dirt road for a while, and got to the end of that, and parked his motorcycle next to a house that had a big hog <laughs> tied up by the front door, you remember that? The, that was the family's way to make a living, was this hog would have, uh, this, uh, this sow would have a little pigs every once in a while and they'd go to market and sell them and that was their only income. House was made out of cardboard. I remember that. And behind that house or past that house there was a little trail in a bamboo forest. The bamboo was 20 or 30 feet tall I think if I remember right. I may be exaggerating but it seemed that it was that tall. And I remember the little trail through the bamboo forest you had to kind of turn your shoulders a little sideways, like especially when you have big, broad shoulders, you know. Yeah. Uh, now, my son-in-law, he just went, anyway. <laughs> but but uh, I remember you had to kind of turn a little side and make it just a little narrow trail down through the bamboo. And about, it seemed to me, I may be exaggerating, but it seemed like about a quarter of a mile down through that little bamboo forest. We came to a little opening it was that opening was not near as big as this platform maybe maybe half as big as this platform two-thirds at the most and in that little clearing there were four huts each hut was one room each hut set up off the ground about this high because in that little clearing it was right next to a river and the river would often flood and so the houses were about this high off the ground uh, houses each house was a bamboo grass hut. Now, I'm not talking about a hundred years ago. I'm talking about seven or eight or ten or ten, ten or twelve years ago. And in one of those one-room huts, Mary lived there. And I remember how shocked I was when he said, remember the lady Mary last Sunday? I said, no, not really. He said, you know, the lady had on the red dress. And then I, th I remember, okay, yeah, I do remember seeing the lady with the red dress. He said, she lives in that hut right there with her husband and their daughter. One room. He said every Monday morning, her husband gets up and walks out of the bamboo forest out to the main road and hitchhikes to town and drives a truck Monday through Friday. And Friday night, he gets off work and he hitchhikes back out to the end of the road and walks down the path to the no lights, no electricity, no running water. I remember there was a pump in the middle of these. There were four huts, and there was a pump in the middle, and they would go out there. And, and in fact, there was somebody there washing their clothes. That Somebody had, had, had a pan there on the ground, and there were some uh, teenage girls there washing their clothes. I, I remember that they had pumped this pump. 
and we want to pout because we put God first? I mean, we first thing we did just this morning is we prayed. God, first thing I did this morning before I even had my coffee, I read my Bible. God, I, I went to church last Sunday, first day of the week. Uh, God, before I rolled out to my 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 uh, my uh, before I paid my uh, my cable television bill, uh, I, I tithed last week. I put you first. Now, can I have that new Cadillac? We like to use Matthew six thirty three as a prayer promise. God, you said right there, if I put you first, you'd give me all these things. Matthew 6.33 is not a prayer promise. Matthew 6.33 is the fine print at the bottom of the page on a mortgage payment, on a, on a mortgage contract. It's a reminder of how much we owe God if we live in America. Now, I understand if you live in China, you might use Matthew 6.33 as a prayer promise. If you live in Africa or Haiti, you might use Matthew 6.33 as a prayer promise. You may say to God, God, I put you first. Now, would you please give me something to eat and give me something to drink and give me some clothes to wear? I understand. But in America, we can't use that verse as a prayer promise. That verse is a reminder that every one of us in this room tonight are in debt to God. He said, if you'll do this, I'll do this, this, and this. None of us have done this yet. And he already did this, this, and this with choices and many, many, many bonuses over and above that. So the next time you read or quote Matthew 6.33... Just remember, you're reminding yourself not what God owes you, but what you owe God. Thank you.